a good move. Why don't you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, number one Aqua Teen fan in my household. This is certified information, people, and I'm talking about every Aqua Teen episode one at a time, going through it chronologically in airing order. I say that because episodes aired out of production order, but we're going through it the way that it was aired. And this week, the episode that aired on November 24th, 2002 is Love Mummy. Curse. I heard it already. I know it's a friggin' curse. The Aqua Teen's getting cursed this week. But before we get into that, we've got some other stuff to talk about. First and foremost, some Aqua Teen news. Just a reminder, November 12th and 13th is the Adult Swim Festival. You can catch that on YouTube and there will be exclusive stuff on HBO Max. Again, what that exclusive stuff is, I do not know. But just just keep your schedule clear. You might want to check that out. Of course, I'll be covering that on the show that week as well. And then something I wanted to touch on here was Warner Brothers is putting out a fighting game called Multiverse, or rather Warner Bros. Multiverse, which will feature all sorts of characters from all the Time Warner properties, which includes Aqua Teen. Now, we don't know exactly who's going to be in the game. I don't think there are leaks, but I'm not going to speculate on leaks. I'm just going to say... Real quick here that Warner Bros. owns Cartoon Network, owns Adult Swim, so we might be seeing Shake or Frylock or even Meatwad in this fighting game. Who knows? I mean, once more information comes out, I'll talk about it, but pretty exciting at the possibility of one of these characters showing up. I have no idea what the game will entail, but who knows? Maybe they'll have some fresh voice acting with them as well. We'll see. Uh, As concrete information is released, I'll discuss it here, relating to Aqua Teen, of course. Just want to say again, we don't know for sure what's going to be in this game, but we'll talk about it when we know. But all right, that's it for Aqua Teen News for the moment, for this week. In terms of Dancing is Forbidden, I posted on Instagram tonight as of this recording that the proofs came in for the Dancing is Forbidden stickers that I was concerned about, and the proofs looked great. I was concerned the text in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration would be too small and not legible, but it looks great to me. So moving ahead with stickers, I'm about to order them soon, as well as uh, two-inch circle stickers of just the three Aqua Teen characters that you'll see in this podcast artwork. So yeah, guys, if you'd like a chance at those stickers, of course, join the Patreon. So I decided at $5 and up, you'll definitely get some. And then if you subscribe at $1, after five months, you'll be eligible. I just don't want to put myself in a situation to where there's people in different countries who sign up at the $1 tier and want stickers. And then, you know, then I'm kind of losing money sending them stickers and stuff. So yeah, I, I didn't want to run into anything like that. I wanted to keep it uh, kind of simple. So apologies on that. But again, if, if you're subscribed at $1 for five months, just, just send me your address and I'll send them your way. And of course, if you would like to just buy them outright, let me know too. We can arrange that if you don't want to sign up for a monthly thing. But that's it for that. Guys, I'm a big fucking dummy. So last week, I incorrectly said that, hey... There was no new voice messages. I was dead wrong. We actually got one from Young Metro 95. I see this guy all over Instagram and he hit me up with a voice message two weeks ago that I totally forgot I had. So apologies on that. So imagine I'm playing this one last week, but we we got a a good voicemail here from Young Metro 95. Let's check it out. Hey, what up, man? It's Young Metro 95. You know, you might know me from Instagram and shit. Um, 
Fucking real quick. Um, I thought that's kind of funny. Um, when I was in middle school, I got season five and six, I think, um, the DVD set, and I uh, came with a bunch of stickers and a bunch of cool shit. So one of them was Mr. Wongberger, and um, I um, I got a Nintendo Wii for my birthday in middle school, and I decided to put the sticker on the Wii, and uh, <laughs> so because I don't know, I thought I knew what it was, but no one else did. <laughs> But I didn't think they'd figure it out. So within a couple of weeks, my mom walked by, and I think she kept looking at it, trying to figure out what the fuck it was. And she was like, is that a brown dick man with ball feet and pube arms? What the fuck is this? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And then she ripped the sticker off, and then she was like, let me see those DVDs. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, what do you mean? So she took my seasons that I bought, which I really liked, and she... I still, to this day, I never saw them again. I don't know where they are. And, uh, yeah, she just took my Aqua Teen from me, you know. But she took the DVDs. didn't end there. I, I still watch it, obviously. So Hell, yeah. Know, but I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, man, I appreciate the podcast, man. Killing it, dude. I like all the shit, the, you know, everything you do from the beginning to end, man. It's good. You're the only one that does it. So keep doing it like you do it, man. You know what I mean? Doing a good job. Appreciate it. Thank you, Young Metro 95, for that great story. Oh, my gosh. that uh, <laughs> This wasn't my first time hearing that, and I, I was, I'm still laughing at it. That's just really funny. I'm so fascinated by your guys' stories about how your parents weren't accepting of Aqua Teen and stuff. And, you know, I got lucky because my parents were cool with that. But I had volume two and three, which made up season two. And the show wasn't that crass yet. So I, it really makes me wonder, you know, if I was... 11, 12 with the, uh, you know, Wong Burger episode or, you know, Hand Banana episodes and stuff. If my parents would have been as cool about it then, I, I, I really don't know. But yeah, dude, thank you for, for sending that in. And Young Metro 95, let me tell you, buddy, I got some Wong Burger stickers. I am happy to send your way. Hit me up with that address. You said you were signing up for the Patreon on Instagram, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. I got I got some stickers for you. Uh, I don't have a Wii for you. You'll have to you'll have to bring that part on. But I, I think we can get you back to your middle school days. And of course, thanks for the kind words, dude. I really appreciate you know all you guys who have kind things to say. I gotta say, man, uh, last week when I was late on the circus episode, a problem with it was I'll, I'll say it now. The the episode's done. I I would I would go to talk and just nothing would come out. I said I don't know what to say about this. So, you know, I had to go back and heavily script a lot of it until I got in the groove. But yeah, I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't talk about Aqua Teen. But that was all bullshit because, look, just took a step back, scripted some out. I had fun with it. I really enjoyed recording the rest of that episode. So, you know, thank you guys always for the kind words. It, it really makes a difference. Um, it's not just white noise to me. Knowing that you guys appreciate the show really helps me keep going with it. Because there are tough times, but hey, let's hope those days are behind us. Thank you, Young Metro. Next up, we have a message from uh, Meatwad, a.k.a. our friend Shane here, sending us in a great Meatwad impersonation. Unfortunately, this clip, hard to decipher at times. I hate to say it, but Young Meatwad here spent a lot of time crafting this wonderful message. So I'm going to play it, and then we'll talk about the bits I could make out afterwards. But thank you, Shane, for sending this in. Let's hear what Shane, a.k.a. Meatwad, has to say. Hey, this is Meatwad, and uh, uh, this is the second impersonation. I just wanted to tell you, you great podcast, but that's not the only thing out there. Also, if anyone thought I heard Meatwad, it's not the word Meatwad. 
this debate in the world. I'm gonna tell you that when we start with the opportunity. So, I did not grow up with it. I mastered it 13 years old, watching their podcast. Because I love the show. I love watching that because it's one of my favorite shows, but I cannot wait for the reboot. Anyway, my oldest story is that in 2019, my mom took me to Google. And I saw one came to one to one four on the left. I continue to the folks, and I figured out sure, and I think it was really funny. So, tell my mom I really wanted it, and she got it for me. And I watched the first episode right off. And I uh, didn't really like it, but then I said I wanted more episodes, and I loved it. So, I just wanted to say good, doing a few updates. Even though I'm only 13 years old, it's great. Cannot wait to get to one of my favorite opportunities in the first episode. Which, uh, is the Clermont. My favorite, that's my favorite episode, anyway. See you, dude. Bye. Young Meatwad, a 13-year-old listener. That's incredible. So, so Young Meatwad here gave us his origin story where he went to Goodwill and found the Aqu- some Aqua Teen DVDs and he really wanted them. Mom got it for him and the rest is history. He says he didn't really like Rabbit at first, but he kept watching and it, it grew on him. And, and yeah, I mean, I agree. If, if the Rabbit was the first episode I saw, I don't think that I'd be too crazy about it. Uh, about the show as a whole, but I mean, yeah, as we've covered in this podcast, it picks up, it gets better, it, it finds itself more, and it doesn't have to hide behind the charade of being some sort of monster of the week kind of thing. But yeah, Meatwad here, young Meatwad, his favorite episode is The Cloning, which is one of mine as well, and I really can't wait to talk about that. All of season two, guys, season two is my fucking childhood right there, so I'm so giddy to get past season one here and into season two where I can uh, relive the glory days. Uh, not really. I would say overall life is way better now, but so many fond memories of watching Aqua Teen as a kid. And yeah, I can't wait to touch on those episodes and see if they still hold up, which I have a feeling that they will. So Shane, aka Meatwad, thanks for listening, dude. So cool to see so many young fans because I've touched on it before, but when I had the idea for this podcast, I really didn't expect to, to see any younger fans for the show. I didn't know if maybe the show was too... Uh, I don't want to say like too crass by today's standards. Like I, I'm not one of those people that subscribes to like, oh, everyone now is a snowflake. But, you know, obviously there are episodes that haven't aged well, I feel like. And I just didn't know if the show was still popular with younger people. But really, really great to see. You know, we have fans of all ages. I've talked to everyone, you know, from from at this point, 13 up to up to 50 plus who, who love the show. And it's, you know, it's honestly one of the best shows of all time it, it, it brings everyone together everyone can appreciate it and everyone can find something about it they like except for uh young metro 95's parents but all right yes thank you shane for that message i really appreciate it i appreciate hearing from the younger fans last but not least we have major shake himself calling in i'll play his voice message here because it's as timely as it's gonna get guys i i guess unless i save it until the last one episode with all the aqua Teen villains but i'll play it now Hi, this is Major Shake. I'm calling in from a payphone. Yes, I'm calling via SpeakPipe through a payphone. I don't get it either. <laughs> but I'm calling in to say, since I sensed with uh, my psychic milkshake powers that another milkshake was trying to slander me. So I just wanted to say I had zero involvement with that circus, y- you know, at the time. Right now, I'm working for it for like five cents a month. It's uh, 
it doesn't pay well and I'm spending my monthly payment on this. But, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's a living. So I I had no involvement with that circus. That was my original Master Shake. Hey, Major Shake, get out here. All right, Randy, just give me five more minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to go. But uh, I like your podcast, you know, when I can listen to it on my jam box. Bye. Major Shake, he's turned up. He's working for Randy the Astonishing at the circus. I cannot believe this, guys. I'm glad to hear he's okay. I'm glad to hear he's making a very fulfilling living here that he has to, unfortunately, spend at the payphone. I'm equally as surprised that there are still payphones. That, that really shocks me as much as Major Shake himself calling in. You know, and I'm glad here that Randy didn't hold a bias against Major Shake because of how bad Master Shake was in the circus, but he still gave Major Shake a shot. So I think that is just fantastic. Randy, very open-minded. He is not biased whatsoever. Thank you, Major Shake, for uh, calling in, checking up, letting us know you're okay after you totaled two wicked Carl's hot rod. Keep on entertaining, man. We'll, we'll try and catch you sometime at the circus. But all right, friends, that's it for our voice messages this week. We've got some more in the bank, but we'll save them. We don't got to blow our whole load at once. Are you kidding me? No, we're going to save them. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about... What in the doggone world was happening November 24th, 2002, mostly in the United States? I apologize. You know, I know we have some European listeners and some listeners from other countries as well. I'm sorry that this is so U.S.-centric, but hey, I have to leave my options open for when I talk about every Aqua Teen episode that ever existed. I can go back and do it from the English perspective, maybe. Do it from the Russian perspective. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. All right. November 24th, 2002. Let's see what's going on. Charming his way past hordes of security to the top of the box office, stealing your woman away from you and passionately kissing her while he shoots an evil villain, a ne'er-do-well. We have... James Bond dropping into the box office with Die Another Day, bringing in $47 million this week. Holy smokes, guys. I've never seen a James Bond movie, so I can't talk a whole lot about this. Uh, I know a new James Bond movie just came out that I heard good things about. I, I, I tend to hear good things about every James Bond movie, it feels like. Let me just read you the description of this movie, Die Another Day, because it sounds exactly like I would expect a James Bond film to sound like. James Bond, played by Pierce Brosnan, is captured by North Korean agents and must serve a grueling prison sentence. He's finally released and is convinced that someone in his own agency betrayed him. He escapes from custody and travels to Cuba, hot on the heels of Zhao, played by Rick Yoon, the agent who put Bond behind bars. Meanwhile, Bond begins romancing NSA agent Jinx, played by Halle Berry, as he uncovers a scheme concocted by Zhao and British millionaire Graves, played by Toby Stevens. Involving a highly destructive laser. <laughs> it just ends involving a highly destructive laser. Oh my god. This James Bond movie sounds fucking crazy, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not insane ratings, but I didn't check other James Bond films to see how it compares. Maybe, it's, maybe it fucks with the best of them. I don't know. But yeah, die another day. Unseating Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, which I found surprising. I, I didn't expect this to to do that. But I guess I guess at the same time, James Bond is still a big franchise in its own right. And sad to report here, 
no common cast or crew with Aqua Teen Hunger Force or the Colon movie film. So nothing to talk about there. Moving on to music, I'm not going to waste your time because it's a lot of the same stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, number one single is Lose Yourself by Eminem, Mom Spaghetti. Billboard number one album is 8 Mile Soundtrack again. But our Billboard alternative number one single is finally something new. Nirvana, get out of the way. I'm sick of hearing you, Kurt Cobain. I'm sick of hearing you, Chris Novelsek. I'm sick of hearing you, Dave Grohl. Who do we got this week for our Billboard alternative number one single? One by one hitting up my sleeve. Dave Grohl, you sneaky snake, you got back in there. We have Foo Fighters with All My Life topping the Billboard alternative charts this week. Honestly, of course I've heard Foo Fighters. I've heard a million Foo Fighters songs. I really didn't remember this song at all. I don't know how. It's one of their most popular songs. I, I'm sure I've heard it, of course, but it just wasn't as recognizable as I thought it was going to be. Anyways, as for Foo Fighters, they're all right. I don't mind them. I really like their song Everlong. That's a great song. Otherwise, don't listen to them a whole lot. But when they're on, hey, I got a little tap on my foot. I got a little nod on my head when I hear these songs. They're not too bad. Before I move on, let me just explain real quick. The joke I made was the singer slash guitar player of Foo Fighters, the main dog, the head honcho, Dave Grohl, was the drummer for Nirvana before they disbanded when Kurt Cobain tragically died. In case there are some listeners who didn't know, hey, it's all right. Not everyone is a, is a rock and roll thrasher i'm not, I'm not gonna judge you for that moving on here guys i got one video game i'm talking about and oh baby am i talking about it this week released in japan we have pokemon ruby and sapphire oh man did i play these games i had sapphire growing up holds a very special place in my heart um my history with pokemon real quick is that i got into it when i was six years old i got the first game uh, red on the game boy and then I got the next game after that, Silver, on Christmas of 2000. And then when this game came out in the U.S., which it didn't come out in the U.S. until March 2003, I got it later. I think I got it like summer 2003 or somewhere around there. And this was the first game I was like old enough to really enjoy. I think I was probably nine at the time or almost nine. You know, before that, I was, again, six, seven, eight or whatever. So pretty young. And at this point... My reading skills are, are up to par for the challenge. I, I never beat the first game, I don't think, as a kid. I might have beat the second game, but it probably took me really long. But this third game, you know, I was fully in it. And lots of great memories from the visuals to the music to the storyline. Really dig Ruby and Sapphire here. Very special games to me. Historically, like my whole life, I would say, oh, Pokemon is my favorite video game series. It's my favorite franchise. I never got too into the show or the, you know, other media that went with it. It was really just the games for me. But yeah, those are always my favorite until, you know, the last few games they've put out, which I continued to buy, I wasn't really as into. I didn't like them as much. And while I think there are definitely fair criticisms, I think I'm just getting older and growing out of that style of game because I tried to go back and play Pokemon Platinum, which is a game that I love, which came out quite a few years after this one, but it was the next generation, the next set of games that came out. And tried to play it for the first time in a long time, and I just wasn't having fun with it. It just felt too slow. Uh, and I, I don't mean that game specifically. I just mean like Pokemon in general. Just the combat was slow. It was kind of boring. And yeah, I, I, I've recently been playing a game called Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey, which the, the Shin Megami Tensei games predate Pokemon, but they're really similar. And I think those games have spoiled me because imagine Pokemon, but with demons instead. And it's a lot more adult in tone and theme. 
and there's a lot of morality choices you have to make and stuff. The combat being much faster paced and more difficult, like you can easily, if you don't pay attention, die in that game. And during some boss battles, even if you are paying attention, you'll, you'll die many times. I think those games spoiled me. So when I try to go back to Pokemon now, it's just not the same, which sucks. But that's growing up, man. You, you change your interests, and I'm not going to cry about it. Pokemon very near and dear to my heart, specifically and especially this set of games here, Ruby and Sapphire. But hey, moving on with my life, I guess. And real quick here, I want to mention what a blessing it is these days in this age that we live in where we get what is called global releases. Because like I mentioned, this came out in Japan in 2002, and then we didn't get it in North America till March 2003. And I think Europe got it in like July 2003. So these days, everyone just gets it on the same day and everyone gets to be happy and you don't have to worry about spoilers and you can have a good time. But yeah, guys, that ends this episode of uh, Pokemon Talk. I'll see you next week. And let me just start up a different podcast I do called Dancing is Forbidden about Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Guys, what in the world was going on this week on Adult Swim? You just saw that stupid James Bond movie with the laser and Holly Berry. And you're sick of hearing Lose Yourself on the radio every goddamn day. And you, maybe if you can read Japanese, you just got the new Pokemon game. You're playing it. It's Sunday night. You're tuning into Adult Swim. What are you going to see? Well, I'll tell you, believe it or not, we're starting with the classic home movies at 10 p.m. tonight with the new episode Stowaway. After that, at 10.30, we have Welcome to Eltingville, the Adult Swim pilot that didn't get picked up featuring MC Chris. I've talked about it before. Can't remember which episode, but it's there. 11 p.m., we have C-Lab 2021, Legend of Baggy Pants, a new episode. And guys, our wonderful number one in the hood G, $10 level patrons voted for me to pick this episode to cover this week. So that'll be in there this week. If you sign up at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, you can hear me talk about Legend of Baggy Pants, which is an absolute... I'll, I'll mention it here. It's a really weird episode. I feel like, like I've said, this is my first time seeing C-Lab in over 15 years, probably 20 years. And this was not the episode to jump into, but I find it really intriguing. It's just so bizarre. There's basically just the main character, Captain Murphy, looking for the pro shop, the uh, golfing shop in the C-Lab. And he's just driving around most of the episode. It, there's a lot of silence in the episode. It's really interesting. It's really subversive. It reminds me a lot of the Fire Ant episode of Space Ghost, where Space Ghost follows around a Fire Ant for 11 minutes. That's a little more extreme than this was, but this is still definitely from that camp. It's just crazy. So yeah, if you want to hear me talk about that, Sign up to the Patreon. It, it's it's a it's a wacko episode, and I honestly I hope I get to cover another C Lab episode because I would like to see a, a more normal episode. It, it's really funny because the previous week, if the patrons would have been able to vote on that one, then I would have covered Bizarro, which is one of the best rated C Lab episodes, a, a fan favorite episode. But I covered this episode the next week. It's just this really subversive episode which is definitely not the episode to jump into C-Lab with. It's just really strange, but but I, I liked it. I like what they were going for. On IMDb, Matt Malero has writing credits on it, but in the episode credits itself, he wasn't listed there, so I'm not sure what's up with that. But a potential Matt Malero reference there, uh, a link, rather. So after C-Lab at 11.15, we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force. This episode, Love Mummy, of course, as always, a new episode. At 11.30, we have The Brack Show with New Brack, another new episode. And then 11.45, we have Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Hipster, not a new episode. Then at midnight, we have The Ripping Friends with Man Man and Boy Boy, which is a new episode here. And then at 12.30, 
We close out the night with the Oblongs, Pickles, Lil Amazons. I vaguely remember that episode. I remember liking it. But all right, guys, this is this is our standard Adult Swim lineup at this point. You know, basically the same lineup as last week, except instead of Saddle Rash, we have Welcome to Eltingville. Enough jibber-jabber about that. Let us talk about Love Mummy. He just wants a hug. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Real quick, want to give a shout out to our new $5 patron, our duffel bag of cash level patron, Tess Ursbet. Hope I pronounced the second part to that correctly. Thank you, Tess, for joining. I've talked to Tess a little bit on Instagram, so it's always nice seeing people that I know who you are signing up. Thank you so much, Tess. Although that isn't your real name. I know. I'm just saying it here, but I'll just call people what they sign up as. I don't want to dox anybody. I don't want to give out anybody's personal information. Come on now. And yeah, if you would like to join the Patreon, I've already talked about it. I'm not here to drill it into your head. I know as a podcast listener, the host just talking about a million times isn't going to make you just sign up. So you guys know what's up. I'm trying to get some new things in there. I have some video content ideas that I'll be working on soon. And yeah, I guess right now it is a timely manner. Stickers. If you would like stickers, please sign up at the $5 level or the $1 level for five months, whatever, whichever, whichever works for you. Any support is appreciated. Of course, if you can't support the show financially, just sharing the show helps just as much. You know, I mean, here's an idea. You have a phone, right? Pick it up. Just put a bunch of numbers in there. Just type some numbers in your little phone app on there. If someone answers, say, hey, do you like Aqua Teen Hunger Force? And if so, do you know what podcasts are? And if so, do you listen to podcasts? If you do, I've got a podcast that you just maybe might possibly like. Get them that way. I don't know. I um, I don't work in marketing, but I, I think that could probably work. I mean, if somebody called me in such a manner, hey, I, I'd be listening. Let me tell you. But all right, guys, that's enough of that. Uh, of course, we have a Discord. If you'd like to join the Discord and chat away with people, type away with people. Again, still planning to do watch parties at some point. I just don't feel like we have enough people for me to try doing that. So yeah, once we get more people there. I originally said it would be a Patreon-only thing. I think I'll move it to that eventually. But to start, I don't want to exclude anybody who joins the Discord. So we'll, 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 see, we'll see where it goes. Parents strongly caution, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some material that many parents would not find suitable for children and may include intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language, and suggestive dialogue. Love Mummy, opening as always with a Dr. Weird skit. And this one, look guys, if you saw the one in the previous episode or listened to the previous podcast, Circus, where I talked about that intro, it's almost the same thing here. It's kind of strange. It's just, the, he says, gentlemen, Dr. Weird does, and then the garage door thing opens, and he says, more corn. There's just corn on the table again. And Steve, Steve is like, I don't know. After last time, what happened? I'm not sure. And then Dr. Weird says, this time will be different. And he starts laughing. And Steve's like, all right. He, he, goes, he goes to eat, and then the corn just stabs him again. It's basically the same exact joke. I guess it's funny that they reused it. Yeah, I'm just interested why they did that. I wonder if they legitimately couldn't think of something else to do, or they just wanted to troll everybody. And use the same one. I don't know. But yeah, it's basically the same exact thing as last time. I noticed here, though, that C. Martin Croker plays Steve's voice a little bit lower than usual, though. That was kind of interesting. But I don't really feel like it's worth playing the clip just to hear that. So, yep, that's the uh, the intro. Almost the same as the circus intro. So opening the episode, 
We start off, it's nighttime, and we hear a growling sound, a, a garbled kind of voice, uh, sounding like almost it's in pain or something. It's just like, Urgh! and, you know, like a, like a kind of a monster noise. And making that monster noise, we have actor Tom Clark. And guys, if you head to the IMDb page for Love Mummy and click on that Tom Clark, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the right Tom Clark. And I know that because I reached out to him on Twitter asking how badly this role hurt his voice. And the response was, hey, I'm not that same Tom Clark. For some reason, somebody credited me, but I'm not that guy. So thank you to that Tom Clark, the comedian Tom Clark, who I looked at his Twitter page. It was very funny. And I checked out his stand-up. It was very funny as well, but not our guy. So I went back to IMDb, and I believe I found the correct Tom Clark. After his name, there is an IX. That'll be nine Tom Clark, the ninth Tom Clark in IMDb. This Tom Clark, an actor known for Ray, the Ray Charles movie, Iron Man 3, and he was also in Anchorman 2, it looks like, as well as a few other things. Busy actor. He's been doing lots of stuff. The reason I believe this to be the correct Tom Clark out of all the Tom Clarks out there is for two reasons here. The, the first reason is from 2000 to 2001, he is credited on Cartoon, Cartoon Fridays. So he worked for Cartoon Network. So it makes sense this guy would eventually get involved with an Adult Swim program. And secondly, this Tom Clark is from Atlanta, Georgia, where they made Aqua Teen. So I think this is our guy. I'll, I'll put his IMDb in the show notes if ever, anybody wants it. That's all there really is to say about him. I don't see any other Adult Swim credits or anything like that. Just his early 2000 Cartoon Cartoon Fridays announcer credit. And then he went on to bigger and better things, it looks like. Lots of giant movies. Again, thank you to the credited Tom Clark on IMDb, the comedian, for sending me in the right direction because I recorded a whole section on that guy here that turned out to be fraudulent. He's not our guy, so... Hey, we got to the bottom of that. I bet you guys are so ecstatic. Back to our episode here. We we hear that growling and Frylock's bedroom light turns on and he's trying to figure out what the heck that noise is. And guys, there's no getting around it. I don't know how pleasant this episode is going to be to listen to because so much of it is the mummy growling the entire time. So I apologize. Um, look, you guys know it's the mummy episode. What are we going to do about it? Let's listen to that clip. Shake? Shake? Turn those damn monster movies down. Shake? All right, so I'm going to stop the clip here because Frylock, understandably, goes out to the living room. He assumes Shake is in the living room watching loud monster movies at night. And he gets there and the TV is off. The chair is empty. Shake is not in there watching monster movies. And Shake comes from the hallway to talk to him about it. Which, guys... What's going on here, right? Like, Shake sleeps in that chair. Where is he coming from? Where was he previously sleeping? He must have been in Meatwad's room or at the end of the hallway sleeping. It, it doesn't get explained, but we'll come back to this. But yeah, where the hell was Shake sleeping? But Okay, so he, he walks out to Frylock and Meatwad comes quickly too because they're all woken up by this noise. They're trying to figure out what it is. Who's watching my TV because you're about I'm to turn it off? You both shut up and listen. <laughs> Sounds like it's coming through the floor. Will you shut up, you hear me? It's three o'clock in the morning and I need to sleep. Just try to block out the noise and go to sleep. We'll deal with it in the morning. Sure, I'll be able to do that. I'll just go to sleep and then tomorrow morning I'm going to call me a social worker and tell him I'm in unfit living conditions and the city will be over here so fast that I... Oh. 
All right, so Shake races out there like, who's watching my TV? And Meatwad is right behind him saying, I bought the damn thing. So apparently Meatwad bought their TV, which I really like that as a, a joke that's kind of talked over. So Frolic points out that the sound is coming from the floor and Shake immediately starts beating it with the, the handle of a broom, which I love. He just instantly has that in his possession. And he's yelling about it. It's, it's 3 a.m. and he needs to sleep. At which point Frylock just hits him with some chloroform over his mouth. He falls asleep instantly. This, I feel like a real 2000s, uh, 90s trope of the chloroform. I don't feel like I see that a lot these days. Granted, I don't watch a ton of current television, but I feel like I've seen enough to notice that I don't notice chloroform being as big of a factor. Like growing up as a kid, I really thought chloroform was going to be something I would encounter as an adult. Like <laughs> the, the amount of times I'd seen it used on cartoons and in TV shows and stuff. But yeah, uh, 28 years old, still no chloroform has crossed my path that I know of. I mean, maybe someone hit me with it and, you know, I fell asleep. I didn't remember. I don't know. For real, though, looking it up, if you inhale chloroform, like somebody puts the rag over your face, according to Wikipedia, it takes at least five minutes of inhaling an item soaked in chloroform to render a person unconscious. So maybe that's why. Maybe uh, the, the cliche wore itself out and writers stopped using it. Back to Aqua Teen. Meatwad asks for the chloroform, but Frolic doesn't want to give it to him. He's like, just block it out and try and sleep. I assume because Meatwad is essentially a child, he doesn't want to drug him. At which point, Meatwad starts like really complaining. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to sleep and then, I'll, and then I'll call child services in the morning and get someone out here to take me away or whatever. So then Frylock just hits him with it and, he, and Meatwad falls asleep just because he's complaining so much. After that, we get another schoolie D cut while Frylock chloroforms himself. So he passes out. It's the only way he can fall asleep with this racket underneath the house. So let's check out that schoolie D clip. There you have it. And then bringing us into the daytime. Now the characters have woken up, of course. It's daytime and Frylock and Meatwad are outside the crawl space door next to the house. So we get a shot here we have not seen at all in Aqua Teen history up until right now. We just see the side of their house. You know, the, the grass is grassy with bits of just dirt everywhere, which it doesn't really look that way from the side. When we get like a shot of the front of the house, it doesn't seem like it's going to look this way from the side. So a little inconsistent, but it's all right. I, th I think this is actually better and more indicative of a lawn that's not really cared for. And we also see Carl's pool in the distance, but it just looks so out in the open. It's a really weird perspective of Carl's pool because it's just like, in the center of Carl's yard, almost, it looks like, as opposed to being closer to his house, which is the impression we normally get. But all right, something we haven't gotten in a long time, guys, is the Friedar. The Friedar is coming back. I don't even know. I can't even give you a guess when we last saw it. Off the top of my head, I, I guess Balloonenstein, when they were looking for the balloon or something like that. I on, Yeah, episode five, I think, was the last time. So it's been a hot minute since we've gotten the Friedar. But it's back. Frylock is next to the crawl space entrance. And he is using his Frydar. He's trying to figure out what's going on in there. At the same time, Meatwad is yelling at Frylock for using the chloroform on him. While he did ask for it moments before Frylock actually did it, he's complaining here that half his ball is asleep. So half his body is asleep still. So he's reacting negatively. He doesn't like it. Don't you never do that to me again. Half my ball is asleep. I'm detecting <laughs> carbon residue that's over 4,000 years old. Whatever's moaning in that crawl space is just a little baby raccoon that stepped on a thorn, maybe, and got <laughs> lost from his mama. And is over four thousand years old. I mean, the exercise—I see him jumping on trees. And, <laughs> and is moaning in English. 
The raccoon is American. Obviously. <laughs> Say, why don't you go in there and check it out? I mean, like you said, he is American, right? No, here's another idea. Hell no. You go check it out. <laughs> but maybe if you disguise yourself, you can enter the room undetected. You know, that's a good idea. I'll become the igloo. You'll see me in the crawl space and I'll say, Hey, igloo. Eskimos must live here. That's a brilliant <laughs> camouflage. You're the smart one. I sure am. <laughs> So yeah, we get this back and forth between Frylock and Meatwad. Frylock's saying that he's detecting residue of over 4,000 years old, while Meatwad's insisting that it's a raccoon, a baby raccoon. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to break down every joke there. You guys heard the back and forth. What I found interesting in this scene, though, that I want to talk about is Frylock is being kind of mean to Meatwad, and he is putting Meatwad in potential danger because he tells Meatwad to go in first, and he allows Meatwad to go in first. And I feel like this is the complete opposite of the Frylock we saw in Circus, who his whole intent was to save Meatwad and protect Meatwad. So kind of strange here. I wonder if he's just mad at Meatwad for complaining and threatening to call the city. Maybe that's why he's kind of bitter towards him. But I found this really interesting in a stark contrast to every way that Frylock has been the entire series so far, except for in Bad Replicant when... Meatwad is going on and on about something and Frylock just says like, shut up, damn, or something like that. That's like the only time I could think of that he was mean to Meatwad. So yeah, kind of kind of shocking here that he's acting this way. Anyways, yeah, Meatwad turns into the igloo. He thinks that'll be a good disguise. It'll trick whatever's in there. And he goes in. So so let's see what happens when Meatwad goes into the crawl space. So, yeah, Meatwad barely gets in there. He hears whatever is in there growling, saying igloo, so it recognizes what he is. He runs out, threatens to call a social worker, and then we hear from the crawl space, whatever's in there is growling for love. Frylock is just as confused by this as we are, so he goes in there once and for all to figure out what is making this ruckus, and he sees... In its full ancient glory, a mummy. Love. Oh my God, Meatwad, come in here. Love hogs. Well, wait, fella, maybe, maybe he just wants a hug. That's what he wants. No, Meatwad, you must never hug a mummy. Oh, hug mummy. Curse. See, see what I tell you. If you disturb his ancient tomb, you'll be forever cursed. No, hog curse. No, no, I know, Mummy. No need to repeat yourself. I am fully aware of your cheap trickery. I think what he's saying, Firelock, is he wants us to hug him, or else he's gonna curse us. Yes! Thank you. So let's <laughs> dust him off and give him a big old bear hug. Yeah, you go on and hug a Meatwad. I don't do that. Boss! Boss! Sugar! Look, I ain't <laughs> hugging no damn Mummy. All right, fine, but don't you tell anybody we did this. Not a whole lot to say about the crawl space itself here in terms of the visuals. It is exactly what you'd expect for underneath the house, right? It's all bricks, the ground is all dirt, and we see some pipes on the walls. We see a window that looks on the backyard, and in the corner there's a there's a can of green paint. I'm not exactly sure 
what this is for. Now, the original Danger Cart in the in the unfinished cut of Rabot had Danger Cart written in green. Maybe that was it, but now it's written in red in, in these final episodes. So yeah, not sure what this green paint is supposed to be for, if it's for anything at all. I don't know. The mummy itself is just a mummy. Not a whole lot to describe there. He's got kind of a gut. He is wearing, you know, the, the classical kind of Egyptian headdress that we're used to. The crown, I suppose it might be called. And now that we got the visuals out, out of the way, it's, it's just established. He wants a hug. Frylock fights against it. But Meatwad's like, no, let's do it. And I, I love when Meatwad is saying what the mummy actually wants. And the mummy's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I want to shout out Tom Clark here. This dude, I mean, it's going to be throughout the entire episode. He must have destroyed his voice doing this he's just grumbling his voice the entire time i don't think that there's a particularly safe way to do this i mean i'm not a vocal coach so i don't know for sure but i know a little bit about like for example metal vocals there's a right and a wrong way to do it and i, th I feel like this is just the wrong way to use your voice and he really gets a lot of emotion expressed with it though which i appreciate it's just a fun way to express this character i think he did a great job at it because it's a pretty limited role right you can't do a whole lot with this kind of thing. So I think that Tom really gets the most out of it, the most mileage possible out of this character. But yeah, all the mummy wants is a hug. And reluctantly, Frylock has agreed. So they hug him. Let's let's listen to that beautiful hug. All right, all right. Ah. In the background as well in this crawl space, I forgot to mention, we hear some draining sounds, which is a bit excessive, but I, I think it's a nice touch. It gets across how damp and dank this nasty old crawl space is. So yeah, we had a great hug. Mummy really enjoyed it. He liked it a lot. So that leads us directly to our next clip where Frylock is dragging the mummy into the house and Carl sees them and stops them to kind of give some background information on the mummy. Meanwhile, while this is happening, the mummy is asking for lunch. So we already kind of get a glimpse of the kind of character this mummy is. He, he just wanted love. Well, now he's asking for lunch. So let's see where this goes. Lunch! Lunch! I see you uh, found the mummy there. You knew about this, Carl? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you think you're weird. <laughs> I mean, the guys before you, I, I don't care what you do behind closed doors, you know. But once you start putting mummies in the yard where I can see them, it becomes my business. Hungry! They don't die, neither. <laughs> you're in it for the log all day. Why do you think your rent was so low there, genius? Well, I just figured we had found a good deal. Oh, yeah, you found a deal there. Deal of a lifetime. Food <laughs> now! Yeah, you, uh, you go feed your mommy there for the rest of your life. See ya. Carl explains how the reason their rent was so cheap is because the mummy was there. Carl knew it was there the whole time. And this gives us a little bit of information on who lived here before the Aqua Teens did. Apart from that, Mummy is just interrupting, being annoying, like a little child almost, just begging and complaining for food. So Frylock takes him inside to feed him a grilled cheese sandwich. Yummy. Here you go. Hot grilled cheese. Uh, oh, come on now. I just <laughs> made those. Lobster. Lobster. Serve. Turf. We're here. I'll take that grilled cheese. We're frugal people, okay? We don't generally eat lobster and steak for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be serious. Yeah, you better try Lord of the Lobster off of 14th Street. They're the closest. <laughs> and get him to throw in some of them yeast rolls with the dipping sauce. Shut up and eat your cheese sandwich. <laughs> Mummy hitting the grilled cheese out of Frylock's hands as he tries to hand it to him and saying he wants steak and lobster, surf and turf. This mummy's got expensive taste. I mean, I guess if he was like a king or a pharaoh before, it makes sense. 
Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I've heard surf and turf. I mean, I guess I don't know where else I would have heard it. It's it's not anything I've had, but yeah, just just expensive tastes on this guy. Also, we see he's just quite rude. He doesn't, you know, it's not like he just declined the grilled cheese. He smacked it out of Frylock's hands, hitting it onto the floor. And then last thing I want to mention here is when Meatwad says Lord of the Lobsters. Again, that's such a Matt and Dave thing. Lord of the Lobsters. That's such like a cheesy name and I love it so much. I mean, come on, Adult Swim. Freaking Forrest Gump got Bubba Gump's, the uh, actual restaurant. Why can't we have Lord of the Lobsters? Get with it. Anyways, Meatwad asks for the yeast rolls. He really likes those rolls. And Frylock leaves to go get the food for the mummy. As Frylock is leaving, we get yet another Schoolie D transition. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary friends, these Schoolie D transitions are back and they're in full force. If you bringing that mummy back a lobster, you better bring me back a cheesesteak, fool. You better recognize. We just see Frylock leaving the house and we see the mummy in the window, which is a nice touch. We see him on the couch. And at the end, you hear, you hear kind of a zoom. That's we get zoomed back in into the house where we see Meatwad and the mummy hanging out. Listen to this. Why did Frankenstein say when the wolfman asked him if he could come out and play? <sighs> this is good now. He had to go ask his mummy. Well, it's okay. I mean, it only works on that one level. But it is a good one. And this one is about a one-eyed prostitute. On a person of the Polish persuasion. Okay. <laughs> so that's Frylock coming back with the food. I had to cut that clip kind of in the middle there. Meatwad just telling stupid jokes to the mummy. Childish jokes. Well, that first joke is a childish joke. He had to ask his mummy. Yeah, everyone's heard it. And Meatwad's even like, yeah, it only works on that one level. Even he's admitting in retrospect, it's not a very good joke. But then he goes on to another joke about a one-eyed prostitute and a person of a Polish persuasion. And I'm not sure I know that joke. And... If anybody knows it, please let me know. I assume it's not a real joke, but who knows? Back to the scene. Frylock has returned with the surf and turf for the mummy. Let's hear how he reacts. Okay, lobster time. I'll tell you later. Do I get a lobster? I just got you those rolls you asked for. I ain't eating bread. Now, I want a lobster. Butter! Butter! No, I know. I got extra butter. Now, go on and eat your lobster. Why does he get the lobster? Because he's the mummy, damn it. Now, shut up. Hey, that was almost a $30 lobster. Man! Man! <laughs> Look, frozen lobster is just as good. That wasn't a live made lobster. What are you trying to pull here? <laughs> well, look at that steak there. That's a good cut of meat there. Eat that. Hey! Overdone! You can hear what's going on here without seeing it. The mummy is just hitting away all the food that Frelak got for him. Frelak presents the lobster, and the mummy hits it away because it's not a fresh Maine lobster, which they are in New Jersey. So my initial reaction was like, are you serious? Why would that be a Maine lobster? Because I'm in the Midwest. But being in New Jersey, I suppose it's a possibility that, you know, they could maybe get that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't live there. I don't know. But then, so yeah, he hits the lobster and Frolic's like, hey man, you know, frozen lobsters are just, just as good. And then I like how Meatwad joins in. He's like, that's not a fresh Maine lobster. What are you doing? Or whatever. And then, yeah, Frolic's like, okay, well, at, le at least eat the steak. And then the mummy hits it away saying it's overdone, which is funny because he didn't even uh, cut into it. So how would you really know? I guess you could maybe kind of know by looking at the outside. But still, I don't think that's a very legitimate way to assess the doneness of a steak. But he is, he is a, a mummy. He is a supernatural creature of sorts. Maybe he has other ways of telling. I don't know. Backtracking here. Let me explain the visuals of the food real quick. Frylock presents either a styrofoam or just a paper box with the food in it. We see the steak, which looks quite good. 
It's got some lettuce garnish, it looks like. And then we have the lobster with the blue rubber bands around its claws. We have two rolls, and then we see some lemons underneath the lobster. So all in all, it looks like a great meal. I've never had lobster like this. Like I've had lobster in sushi or lobster in other things, but I've never eaten a lobster, you know, as a full in its full lobster form before. I think I'd be kind of scared to. I, maybe I'll try it. I don't know. I think I might have had crab once. I'm not too experienced with seafood. A couple of years ago, I finally started eating sushi. Again, I'm 28, so I was like 25 at the time when I finally ate sushi and liked it. And so I've kind of been exposed to seafood for the first time before that. As far as I went with seafood, folks, was fish sticks. That was as far as I would go. But now I've expanded my horizons. You know, I guess I guess before the sushi, I would eat tilapia a bit. So I didn't mind that. But yeah, I really need to explore seafood. But I know lobster is expensive, so... No harm in staying away from it for now. Moving on with the episode here. All this grumbling, all this shouting, all this yelling, all this hitting around expensive food has woken up Master Shake. He's got a thing or two to say about all this. Do you know what time it is? Huh? It's 2.30 in the afternoon and people are trying to sleep. <laughs> Who's mummy? I found it in the crawl space. So you were the one doing all the moaning when I was trying to sleep, huh? <laughs> Shay, you don't want to piss him off. He has the power to curse you. Birds out, piss him off. I'll do what I want, when I want, and how I want. Oh. And no mummy. You hear me, Band-Aid? Amazing line here. I love it. One of my favorite Aqua Teen lines. It's 2.30 in the afternoon, and people are trying to sleep. I want to shout out, back in August, Maddie Jets on Twitter sent this to me, saying, You work nights. I work an insanely early shift very often. This is the way of, of Shake saying that, which is so true. I mean, as a kid, it's like, aha, Shake is lazy. And as an adult, it's like, fuck, man. He's trying to get some sleep. I mean, obviously, though, Shake doesn't have a job. So kind of strange. Also strange that it's 2.30. So it's almost 12 hours later from when he got chloroformed. And he's still trying to sleep. And it was implied he was sleeping before that. So Shake's getting a lot of sleep there. He needs his beauty sleep. Another thing, I'm going to bring it back again is where is he coming from? Where was he sleeping? You know, it's just, it's an unanswered question. They don't address it at all in this episode. You know, normally he sleeps in the living room because they forgot to give him a bedroom when they made the show. And now it's like, because the plot requires Shake not to be there, he's not there. So yeah, uh, your guess is as good as mine where Shake was sleeping. Guys, let me know your thoughts. Where the heck was Shake sleeping while all this is going on? Let me know. Shake, as you would expect, is giving this mummy a piece of his mind, even though Frylock says, hey, man, he can curse you. I wouldn't do that. Frylock is very scared this episode, which is interesting because normally when the villains come, Frylock is the in charge one. He's the one who doesn't put up with the bullshit and he usually kicks their asses. But here it's completely reversed. Shake is the one in charge. Usually Shake, you know, gets scared or he doesn't do anything about it. Shake is the one taking charge. He's not putting up with this, probably because it's more of a domestic problem that d directly affects him. But yeah, Shake is the one dealing with this while, while Frylock is just really passive in this episode. So it's an interesting role reversal from what we've seen so far in the show. Meatwad eggs on Shake to keep telling off the mummy and Shake just goes for it and he's about to get cursed. No mummy's going to tell me who what to do. <laughs> you done? We all done here. How are you done? Because I'm done listening to you. <laughs> so 
before this, the mummy is at like a, a 45 degree angle almost in the chair because it's stiff, right? It's not sitting down. It's just standing up, but at an angle, partly because it's a mummy. And that seems more realistic because it can't move, even though it does move sometimes. But at the same time, I think it's because it's a cheap show and they can't afford to give him all these different positions and stuff. So yeah, he's, he's propped up on the chair. But then when he starts to curse shake, he like floats up to his feet and we see like a vortex go around him. Lights start flickering and stuff. And it's a really cool animation they have going around him, like a cool effect, I guess. It's not quite a particle effect, but in that vein. And you hear, you see, he's just cursing, is cursing, is cursing. Shakes, he stops. Shakes like, are you done? And then he comes back up and, and starts doing it again. And then, yeah, then, then he's done. Shake being a badass here, he doesn't give a fuck about this mummy's curses. I actually watched this episode with my fiance Hannah. This will probably be the second Aqua Teen episode she's seen, I think. And she said, oh, I like the milkshake. The, like, Shake is her favorite character. So we watched a few more episodes and she laughed at some of his lines, which if you listen to the Oblongs episode we did together on the Patreon, we talk about how she doesn't really laugh out loud at stuff a lot. So it was kind of cool that she was laughing at some of Shake's lines. And I was surprised because I'm like, really, that's your favorite character? She's like, why do people not like him? Like, no, they do, but he's an asshole. I didn't think he would be her favorite character, but... She said he's funny. Anywho, back to our scene here. Shake's got some more words for this mummy. He, again, he does not care whatsoever what this mummy has in the store. I got a curse for you. It's called tomorrow morning. Your ass is out of here. <laughs> I'm going back to bed. Curse. I heard it already. I know it's a friggin' curse. It's like I'm living with a pack of friggin' animals. Shake, I hate to tell you this, but I think you may have been cursed. She was your sink? Because, you know, he only said it about a thousand times. I'm dead serious, Shake. If you start to feel your eyes boil or, or anything weird like that, you page me immediately. And where are you going to be? I'm going to make a quick stop at the library. Mall. After I go to the damn mall. <laughs> so fun resolution to that scene there. Shake is saying what we all think. And I kind of like that. The mummy is annoying on purpose, obviously. And Shake is addressing it and kind of speaking for the audience here. Where it's like, I get it. He said it a thousand times. I, I know what this guy's about. And Shake is just like, he can't believe anybody cares about this. Frylock is worried for Shake because he's just been cursed. Again, Shake doesn't care. And then Frylock is going to go to the library to learn about this. But the mummy keeps grumbling from the other room that he wants to go to the mall. So they have to take him to the mall as well. That leads us to our next scene here. We're at the library. And guys, I have some Dancing is Forbidden information only for you guys. This ain't coming off some fucking wiki. This is coming straight from me. 30 minutes of Googling and translating a Portuguese website and coming right back to you to your ears. This library image being snatched from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon Dino Mutt Dog Wonder, its second episode, What Now, Lowbrow, airing September 18th, 1976. This still right from that show, although in the show, it wasn't a library. It was an admissions office and it said admissions on the top. But for Aqua Teen, they superimposed over it library so that's where that comes from add it to the wiki if you want but really dug into this one i guess dino mutt was supposed to be like based on scooby-doo in a way it was a robotic dog it looks like and he's teamed up with blue falcon and then in this episode scooby-doo and the gang mystery inc make an appearance so these two shows were kind of like bundled together for a while but Considering most of you probably never heard of Dino Mutt, we can guess which one ended up being the most popular. But yeah, that's where this comes from. Frylock and Meatwad and the Mummy are at the library, and the Mummy is bored. Okay, let me tell you, the Mummy is bored, probably like you guys were when I told you all that information. That took me way too long to figure out. 
Let's check it out. Lord, 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 Lord. Ah, here we are. Mummies for Lord, dummies. Lord. We're in a library. <laughs> He's right, fella. What can I say? This is boring. Let's go to the mall and buy me that action front doll. No, we're not going to buy you any... <laughs> No, no, I know. Curse, curse. I heard it. I'm moving. This library scene incredibly short. And Bob Pettit here looks like he made a custom background for the show. So let's talk about it a little bit. The clock shows about 3.05. So it makes sense when Shake said it was 2.30 just moments ago. And the time it would take them to travel to the library. We have yellow brick walls, purple carpeting. We have two computers up against the wall underneath the clock. There's a poster of a boy with chalk and his teacher, and it says, learn now on it. I can't make out quite what the little boy wrote in chalk. I'm sure it's some sort of joke. Otherwise, not much else. Just uh, we see some bookshelves, and that's it. Looks like a good library to me. I mean, it's believable. Frolic is holding a very old book. It looks like it's ancient. Like, it would not be in the library. It would be in a museum of some sort. But that's the book he found that he needs, and this book will come back later in the episode. And this whole concept of the library, like in television, is it really done anymore? I mean, the library isn't as much of an institution as it used to be because mostly everyone has internet access of some sort. So you can kind of find information pretty easily these days. I mean, back in 2000, yeah, you might want to go get a book on some things. But with internet speeds the way they are and everyone having access, who knows? I'm not saying the library isn't like important anymore or anything like that. Obviously, people still go to the library. But in terms of needing to go to the library for something like this. Who knows? At the same time, having said that, Frylock does have a computer. It's established. They have an internet connection. So I guess it still checks out. And no, I did not mean to make a pun. Anyways, moving on here. Mummy is bored. Meatwad is bored. I liked the library as a kid. You know, I used to go there when I was 12, meet up with the local kids. We'd all play RuneScape on those motherfucking computers, annoy the hell out of the librarians, bless their hearts. I mean, Jesus Christ, what they were dealing with with those kids all getting crazy over RuneScape. At our library, you had 30 minutes at a time on the computer. You would enter your library card information, which I used to have that like 20 digit number memorized. I don't know it anymore though. But you'd enter your information for 30 minutes. And if like nobody else was on, it would let you extend for 15 minutes at a time. It, it, it would be able to tell how many computers were logged in. We had a decent amount of computers in our library. We were pretty lucky. At least this is 2006, 2005. I remember there was this one kid who would swap back and forth. He had his library card and like his brother's or his mom's. So he would keep just logging in between them so he can play RuneScape all day. That kid was at the library all day. But yeah, I always liked the library. I still do. Um, but you know, it's kind of a trope to be bored at it for it to be a boring place, but it always gives me fond memories. I mean, fuck man. Most libraries these days have like a video game selection. My small ass town in Illinois, we have like a bunch of new switch games, a bunch of PS4 games, all this stuff. Last time I was there years ago, um, you know, I don't live there anymore, but they had a crazy selection of, it's like, where was this when I was a kid? Dude, my library in my hometown has 3DSs you could check out to play games on. I'm sure that they have more stuff now. I haven't been there in years, but man, kids these days, they'll never know the struggle. Back to Aqua Teen and the reason you guys are listening to this podcast. Meatwad hints that he wants an action Frank doll from the mall and Frylock is rushed out of the library and then we cut to after the mall. We don't see them go to the mall, but it's established they went there because we see Mummy and boy, is he looking fresh. He's being pulled in the danger cart. So here's our reappearance of the danger cart. I mentioned in a previous episode that we hadn't seen it for a while, 
But here it is again. So we get the Friedar and the Danger Cart back in action on this episode. Definitely more in the vein of a classic Aqua Teen episode, I think. Or rather, one of the earlier episodes. And we see Mummy being pulled. He's in the Danger Cart. And hanging on the Danger Cart, we have six t-shirts. They're just plain <laughs> colored t-shirts. So nothing fancy. But we have a blue one, a pink one, a dark blue one, an orange one, a lime green one, a magenta one, and a yellow one. So pretty bright colors overall. I should clarify these are, I don't know what the shirt is called. I'm awful at this, but there's like, you know, three buttons on the shirt and it's got a collar. So it's not a normal t-shirt, I guess. I, I, I don't know my shirt terms. Apologies. And then they still have the price tags on them. We have a TV in the cart. We have giant speakers and we have electronics, like some audio receivers, it looks like. And then what looks to be a bunch of CDs. So... Beyond that, Mummy is tricked out. He's wearing golden chains, one of which has a golden onk hanging off of it. He has a gold earring. He's holding a purple skateboard with green wheels. He has purple sunglasses on. He's got an orange cap turned to the side on his head. He's wearing some sort of sports jersey. I'm terrible with teams, so I don't know what this is supposed to be, but it's green and kind of gold. I don't think it's the Packers. Then that wouldn't make sense for them being in New Jersey. Underneath that, he has a, a white t-shirt on. We see he has like baggy pants on, but we don't really get to see the full brunt of them. And then being pulled on the danger cart, as revealed later, is a giant rock climbing wall. So obviously, guys, it's Aqua Teen. You can't dig too deep into it. But the thing I always like about the show is how it's established that they're poor, at least in these early seasons. You know, most shows with this setting eventually have to ditch it because the characters can only do so much. But... I like how it's established that they're poor, but somehow Frylock is able to buy all this for the mummy, which I don't really understand, especially the rock climbing wall. I mean, that must cost a small fortune. But yeah, like there's no financial stress from Frylock here, which I, I wish they would have played with a little bit. You know, he's, he's reluctant. He doesn't like having to buy this stuff, but he still can afford it all somehow unless they're just maxing out credit cards. They can never, ever pay back. I don't know. That's enough explanation. We actually get a schoolie D cut here talking about how it was a mistake bringing the mummy to the mall. So I'll play that because, you know, these Schooly D cuts, you miss them when they're gone. So I got to play them when they're here. And the entire time, it's just a comical shot of Meatwad pulling this because, again, attached to the danger cart is a gigantic, like, five-story rock climbing wall. It's just insane to look at. Look, taking a mummy to the mall is like taking Frankenstein home for dinner. You just don't do it, man. You just don't do it. I want to bring up how Schooly D mentions Frankenstein, which is slightly a callback to earlier in the episode when Meatwad told this lame joke. He was talking about Frankenstein too in that joke. So there's that little connection. But yeah, leading us into the scene here, we have Meatwad asking Frylock why he didn't get an action Frank doll. And remember at the library, he was talking about how he wanted an action Frank doll. Can the mummy got all that stuff? I keep showing you this action Frank doll and you didn't do nothing. Okay, Aww. we're finally home. Again, again. Please, mummy, I'm starved and I'm exhausted. Why don't you go play around on your new rock climbing wall that you had Lessons. to have? Lessons! <laughs> oh, and I'm going to call right now about those rock climbing lessons. You just hang out with Meatwad right here and guard all your precious things. <laughs> on the clock you got two watches why don't you just time me see if they sync up so yeah Frylock there mentions that he has two watches on the mummy I I didn't really get a glimpse of that as much in the previous scene so he's got two watches on and I love mummy he's just curse like he's just so sassy about it 
But yeah, you heard Meatwad. He's upset. He didn't get an action Frank doll. And then that scene ends with Frylock going inside, slamming the door because he's exhausted. He's hungry. And then, yeah, great gag of the <laughs> the mummy wants lessons before he'll even touch that wall. So this mummy, again, he's got expensive tastes. And for our younger listeners here, please take note, okay? Pay attention to this episode. Study this episode. It started off, the mummy just wanted a hug. He said he just wanted love. And next thing you know, they're buying him a rock climbing wall, okay? So be careful. People will try and pull this on you. They'll act like they just want to be your friend. They just want to love you. They want you to love them. But then they require expensive items. So keep a lookout here. Don't become a Frylock in this situation. Be a master shake. Frylock went inside, and now we have Meatwad trying to train the mummy to ask for an action Frank doll because he really wants an action Frank doll. So he realizes he can use the mummy to manipulate Frylock because Frylock is afraid of the curse. Hey, mummy, when he comes back out of you, you say real loud, like, action Frank doll, like you like to do, okay? (laughs) So keep that in mind because that's going to come back up. Anyways, Frylock is inside. He's talking to Master Shake, checking up on Master Shake to see how the curse is affecting him. Shake, how you feeling? Hey, you know, I'd uh, feel better if you uh, shut the hell up while this is on. <laughs> Here's a great friggin' idea for you. How about one minute of silence in this house when I'm trying hmm. to watch something? Wow, your eyes didn't even blister <laughs> Get up. Get your or... hands off me, brother. You've been touching that mummy. You know, I saw you hugging him in the basement. I wasn't hugging him. Go hang out with your dead mummified wife. I, I, I gotta go to my room now. Mummy lover. Two things going on here, okay? First of all, I don't know what the hell Shake is watching. As I've mentioned before, the TV is at an angle the whole time, so we can't fully see it. I see what looks like trees on top, like we see the leaves on top, and then maybe some just dirt on the ground. And then we see some, I don't know, people running around or something. It's really difficult to make out. But what we hear is this this xylophone kind of music, and then just randomly screaming and screaming and screaming, and then just back to the xylophone music makes no sense. I really wish we could see what he's watching because it sounds like a blast. Second thing I want to touch on here is Shake points out that he saw Frylock hugging the mummy in the crawl space earlier. But remember, Shake was sleeping at the time. So bit of a discrepancy there. Doesn't really make sense. I don't know why they included this line if Shake really did see them somehow, but that doesn't make sense because he was kind of freaked out when he saw the mummy. So if he saw it earlier when they were hugging it in the crawl space, it, it just doesn't check out. It doesn't make sense. Maybe Matt and Dave forgot and that's why they brought it up but i i can't imagine that these guys are smart they had to have known that shake couldn't have been there so i think they just threw it in just to be funny guys ha 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 so funny boys um but yeah it doesn't doesn't really check out there that's two things with shake this episode one where was he sleeping two how did he see them hugging when he was sleeping at the time and that's the thing is it's not just he was sleeping it's also his reaction he he reacted to the mummy when we're introduced to him seeing it in the living room so that doesn't check out either Anyways, look, you guys get the point. Back to that scene. Shake is fine. There's nothing wrong with him. There's no curse on him, at least that we can tell. And then he brings up that Frylock was hugging the mummy. So Frylock runs to his room. And now we're in Frylock's room and he is reading the mummy book to figure out what's going on with this curse. Let's see. Curse, curse, curse. Here we are. The curse of the mummy is actually just a figure of speech. Vomiting locusts for a thousand years is just an old wives' tale. The real curse of the mummy is that he is completely socially inept, devoid of all manners, gold-digging, manipulative, and a selfish brat. Don't ever wake him unless you have a lot of time and money on your hands. Thank you for buying Mummies for Dummies. (laughs) 
So I want to put out here, the book has some hieroglyphics on the outside, but then there's like the library tag on the bottom of the spine. One of the things I want to point out on the cover of the book, we see an Egyptian guy playing what looks like a flying V guitar, which is very funny. That's the only real joke I could make out from the hieroglyphics, but I'm sure that there's something else there that I didn't catch. So as Frylock reads the book, you know, he can read hieroglyphics, apparently. There are corresponding hieroglyphics with it, and they're quite funny if you follow along. For example, when it says that the mummy is socially inept, it shows the mummy what looks like farting and then a dead bird next to it. Like it's bent over and then there's a flame by its butt. And then there's just a dead bird on the ground. When he says gold digger, we see a, a mummy digging. Yeah, just fun to follow along. It, they put a lot of thought into this, it seems. And I, I appreciate that. So if, when you watch this episode, definitely pay attention to that. So past all that objective stuff, I guess we're just moving on to... We find out there is no curse, right? The mummy is just an asshole. That's the whole point. He's just a greedy asshole. He's a gold digger. And he'll keep saying there's a curse, but it doesn't exist. The curse is the mummy himself. He's just annoying. We cut back to outside where Meatwad is still coaching the mummy on the whole action Frank charade here. And we see Frolic in the window watching this so he knows what's going on. And remember, he has this knowledge that the mummy doesn't really have any powers. He's just annoying. So let's hear how the bulk of the end of the episode plays out. Action Frank. Let's put a little more oomph into it. You didn't even seem like you wanted on that one. Action Frank! <laughs> you go. Sound off like you got a pain. <laughs> oh, Frylock, what are you doing? I guess you better go get him that Action Frank doll. He's been wailing about it all day. I'd hate to see what's about to happen, you know what I mean? No, I think I've got a better idea. Real quick here, we finally see the mummy's like full body with his new mall outfit on. He's wearing really fancy basketball-looking shoes, I, I guess they'd be called. Again, I'm not a fashion guy, so I don't know the terms for these things. But yeah, just, just big, puffy shoes. They're red with bright green laces. We see he's holding a bunch of shopping bags in each hand, and he has a, a wristwatch on each arm, like Frolic said, but he also has a bunch of gold bracelets as well. So this guy's pimped out. The mummy is actually getting pretty good at asking for action, Frank. I'm convinced. I, th I think he could have pulled it off if... Frylock didn't know the truth. If Meatwad pulled off this heist a little bit sooner, I think it would have worked. Frylock says he has another idea about all this, and we cut right to the mummy laying in the street, and they're putting boxes all around him, and they wrote trash on the mummy while the mummy is protesting. So let's just hear how that scene plays out. They're throwing him away. Frylock realized he's trash. Boxes! No! <laughs> Stack the boxes up real high. Try to make it look like we're not throwing away a mummy. I want to point out here that the mummy is back to his original form. He's not in his mall pimped out form. So I assume, you know, Frylock took all that stuff off of him to return. But they did do him the honor of putting his crown back on. After that, we cut to Carl's pool. We're debriefing in the pool where Carl is wearing the mummy's crown. He's very happy about it. And I'd like to point out here, it's important to the plot line, but I noticed it even before that, is Carl has some gross yellowing stains in his pits, I guess, on, on his shirt, where his pits would be, you know? So there's just like sweat stains all down it because Meatwad does reference it. I'm the king! King Carl! <laughs> da, 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 da. You know I'm your ruler! <laughs> yeah. Shut up! It's uh, very nice, Carl. <laughs> it really brings out the gold in the, uh, that golden region <laughs> in your shirt. Carl is just like smiling. He's so happy. He's really ecstatic about this crown that he's wearing. 
And I love Carl just yelling, shut up, at the mummy. It's just that you hear him in the street, curse, curse. I'd like to point out here, so Frylock and Meatwad are in the pool. Frylock is just, he's, he's his beard is submerged and he's kind of going up and down. But Meatwad is actually like floating around. It looks really good. I, they usually don't do this. Usually at most they'll have him just go up and down. But he's actually, you know, it looks like he has some physics here to him. So really cool. If, if you watch this episode, check out that scene because... I don't know if we'll see it again, but we'll see. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it next time. So realistic water animations aside, we've got Carl here. He's happy as hell, but we'll see in a second. Something ain't right. He starts to move away and we see he has like a long snake's tail. So his sweatpants are ripped and out of it is a giant green snake's tail. And he doesn't quite realize it yet somehow. Yeah, I knew you'd be jealous. Shouldn't have thrown it away there, fry man. Now it's freaking mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Over no, no, let Shake do it, Meatwad. He'll know exactly what to say. So you heard the noise, right? It's just a, a weird, strange noise as Carl exits the scene there, happy as heck with his new accessory. Meatwad and Frylock obviously have shocked faces when they see it. And then, yeah, you heard Frylock says, just let Shake tell him, you know, he knows how to do it. And so ending the episode here, we have Shake cluing Carl in on his new form. Carl, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the end of the episode. Carl, oh, God. Yeah, he, he looks down and sees his new really strange body. And we have we have Shake. He was in the front yard. He was coming past Carl's house with his towel. Kind of weird if you think about it that Shake would be in Carl's driveway when he's going to Carl's pool. Usually they go out their front door and then cut across the backyard to Carl's. So why would he be in front of Carl's house? Doesn't really make sense. But nonetheless, nice sharp ending to the episode. Always love to go out on a scream. But all right, guys, that's Love Mummy. Tom Clark, I believe, did a great job here. I love the way he expresses this character. Again, in a character that's so one-dimensional, you can't do a whole lot with it. There's some sort of allegory here about toxic relationships. You know, they, they lure you with love, and then they slowly start demanding things, and they threaten you specifically and especially with curses. So, hey, again, look out, people. Don't find yourself in a love mummy situation. That's all I'm saying. So digging into this one made me appreciate the episode more because, guys, when I first watched the episode for this, and if you're in the Discord, you would have seen me kind of talk about it a little bit, I was like shocked. I was like, nothing fucking happens in this episode. The mummy is annoying. This episode is not as good as I remember. But going through it scene by scene, of course, I appreciated it more. Maybe kind of like a Stockholm syndrome situation. But I'm going to stick to my gut on this one. I'm going to give this one three rock climbing walls out of five. I just, you know, on first impression, it was not great. And I was surprised because this episode has better ratings than IMDb than Circus did. And I feel like Circus is a real fucking tight, great episode. So shocker there, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still decent. You know, you know, a three out of five episode of Aqua Teen is still better than most episodes of most shows. I just felt like the pacing wasn't the best because the bulk of the episode is them just bowing down to this mummy. And at the very end, it's just like, oh, he's full of shit. Throw him away. The end, really. And then we get the little twist with Carl. But yeah, it does work, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's not like I, I, I could think of how to make it better. So it's a tough one. It's just a personal preference thing for me, I guess. Definitely wouldn't be one I would show somebody for the first time of Aqua Teen. This one's, this one's for the fans, for the real Aqua Teen heads. 
one thing real quick though I want to mention is I appreciate how Shake isn't like really a villain in this episode. He's an asshole, but it works I think for him and I think it's kind of a good thing and I appreciate the way they played with that aspect of his character and not just picking on Meatwad all episode and that's it because they fall into that a lot which again you know it's, it's normally funny that's the show I'm not complaining it's just nice to see them use it in a different way but all right running crew that's it for me thank you guys so much for listening and as always if you want to reach out check the show notes I'm in all sorts of spots I'm like kind of half-assed reluctantly making a Facebook page if you're on there I don't know I'd you know, I know I know Instagram is owned by the same company, but it's just really hard for me to be like, ah, do I want to put more fucking content on that website? I don't know. We'll see. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Check out dancingisforbidden.com for all sorts of dancing is forbidden needs. I've got some links on there. And if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, guys, I cannot for the life of me get the episode artwork to show up there. So if you haven't seen it, I post them on Instagram and Twitter, but if you haven't seen them on there, go to dancingisforbidden.com at least to check out, you know, there's accompanying artwork with every episode and I can't get it to show up. I don't know why. I, I tried a bunch of different things. I think I'm going to have to contact somebody at some point because I must be doing something wrong, but very frustrating. Anyways, yeah, if you like the show, please consider posting about it or join the Patreon, whatever works for you. I would really appreciate it. I'm just one dude working a normal shitty job like the rest of us. So it really helps me out. And thanks to the patrons we have now because I officially am not paying to host the podcast out of my own pocket anymore. So I really appreciate that, you guys. You know, I'm fine putting in the time to make the podcast, but it, it's just so nice to not have to actually like pay money to host it every month. So thank you guys. And if you'd like to help the podcast grow, again, please consider signing up to the Patreon. And that's it for me, guys. I'll see you next week when we talk about episode 14 dumber days. See you then. Have a good week.